This episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Later on in this episode, we'll have a special discount offer code just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets online at fansets.com. A cadet, a captain, and an impossible decision. The latest short trek is beamed down, and this time, a young cadet is faced with an impossible decision, all while being stared down by one of the most important captains in the fleet. Does she follow protocol? Does she bend to the pressure of an accused mutineer? Or is this really all as it seems? Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. It may not be Discovery, but Short Treks is still an important part of the off-season, so here we are ready to dive into the latest mini-episode called Ask Not, where we meet a young cadet on a starbase who's thrust into a highly charged and highly dangerous situation, and then to make matters worse, she's given a fully charged phaser in case things get out of hand. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about all things Star Trek Discovery, even Short Treks. And even though this one is the shortest of the Short Treks yet, it certainly didn't lack high drama and high tension. And when I say drama and tension, well, this is the moment where I get to introduce my trusted partner to this podcast. If he had to make a split-second decision on whether to help me or shoot me with a phaser, I am pretty sure I would be a charred pile of ash on the floor. And I think he would fire before even asking what I wanted his help for. Of course, I jest. He is my good friend, my brother in Trek, and he is my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. Cadet, I am giving you a direct order. Help me out with this podcast now. <laughs> you better hope this thing is set for stun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. Thanks for, uh, thanks for that great introduction. It's good to be here. Good to talk more new Star Trek, which always makes me happy. And, uh, of course, what better place to do it than uh, the Star Trek Discovery Companion? You know, it's it's great. We saw Pike all through Season 2. We saw the Enterprise, Spock, Number 1. And and people have just been dying for more of it. And we were not disappointed. Like I said earlier, it was the shortest short trek. But it really, to me, it didn't take a whole lot away from the fact that it was only like seven minutes long. Because it was the Enterprise. And it was Pike. And it was awesome. Well, yeah, it's it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of my other reactions to mm-hmm. this particular piece of work. But, um, you know, it, it, it truly was short. And I think that's really the biggest crime in all of this. Yeah. I think we would have wanted to see, you know, more Pike, more Enterprise, more, more everything. Um, but who knows? Who knows what the future will bring? Maybe they're just wetting our appetites. Anyway, uh, before I invoke a seldom-used reserve activation clause, Bill, why don't you let all our wonderful listeners know how they can get in touch with us to give us their thoughts on this week's short trek, Ask Not. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. On the Twitters, you can discover us at Discovering Trek. And the book with lots of faces and more faces, you can follow us at facebook.com slash discovering trek. In either place, you can leave us comments, questions, or even what you think we might see in the remaining short treks left to go this season. Plus, you can also send us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button. Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan? 
Thank you, Bill. Black Alert. Black Alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek's short Trek, Ask Not, stop listening right now. Go over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch short treks. Watch this episode. It won't take long. Then head back over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Ask Not. And now, without further ado, it is the quadrant-famous six-sentence recap starring the one and only Bill Smith. Bill. You know, it occurs to me that this recap could conceivably be longer than the actual episode itself. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. Congratulations. No, but, so we're going to do this in six sentences. That's the thing with these short tracks. Uh, so here we go. A starbase is under attack. A legendary captain is charged with mutiny. A cadet is charged with guarding him and not letting him leave the room. The captain tries to sway her, but she stands firm. Guess what? It's all a test. Psych! Oh, and by the way, you get to serve on the Enterprise, cadet, so see you around the ship. There we go. Six sentences. Boom. That's the episode. Well done, as always, man. (laughs) That was pretty good. Trainees, to the briefing room. So, Bill, as we gather in the briefing room to start our discussion on Ask Not, as always, let's get some high-level thoughts. Uh, Thumbs up or thumbs down, and why? And uh, we'll start with you this week on this one. I'm of of split brain on this one. For for pure watchability, for entertainment value, I have to go thumbs up. You know, this is a a great entry in the Short Treks uh, franchise, if you want to call it that, or, or series. But, you know, if... If brevity is the soul of wit, then I have to give this a thumbs down um, because uh, it, it, it's predictable and it's just too short. Um, I get it. They're supposed to be 10 to 15 minutes. This one doesn't even come in at that, uh, but it's still entertaining. So overall, I love this episode, but come on, guys. <laughs> and and, and to, to make matters worse, which we'll get into, this is theoretically the last time we see Anson Mount as Pike and the Enterprise and Ethan Peck as Spock and Rebecca Romaine as number one. Yeah, I, I gave it a thumbs up also, but I totally understand everything that you said. How can this not be a thumbs up? Because we do get to see Anson Mount one more time as Captain Pike, and he is a formidable Pike uh, that has been charged with mutiny, at least we think. Uh, I would never ever want to be on the receiving end of Pike yelling at me to take off handcuffs. And Mount just does an awesome job in this. Yes, it is way too short. And halfway through, uh, I figured out what was going on. I was a little slower than you. I think you realized it like before the opening credits were done. But um, it it didn't take it away from me too, too much. It was a thoroughly enjoyable seven and a half minutes. um, And it made me wanting more. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up, too. That's fair. I mean, those are all valid points. You know, there's really nothing to, well, I shouldn't say that because we're going to find something to dislike about this, but um, there's no real true dislike of of this particular short track. This does what we hope short tracks will do. It tells us something about the characters. It gives us something that that we can easily digest in that time frame. And uh, it's it's fun to watch. So, I mean, it it pretty much hits all all of those points. And and by that alone, I say it's it's pretty great. 
It's funny. I've watched it three times and it hasn't even taken up a half hour of my day, <laughs> which is sad. I, I was kind of hoping for some some extra stuff at the end credits like we saw in the last short Trek, The Trouble Edward. But we'll get to that later on. Let's get right into our likes, because I'm sure that you had a lot of likes just like I did. We'll talk about our top three like we usually do. And I'm going to start off with Amrit Kuar. She is the newcomer to Trek, playing Cadet Thera Sidhu. And man, she's a welcome addition. She, to me, she was believable uh, to the nth degree. She struggled to make this decision. She was very intimidated by being put into this situation with a highly decorated and revered Starfleet officer. She did a great, great job showing the relief of realizing that it was just a test. And then she also showed the excitement of being brought on board to her dream assignment. Now, while a seasoned officer may not have shown that kind of emotion in front of her captain, she is a cadet. She is young. She's still going through the academy. And I thought it made it very believable. Believable. And it, it showed to me how real people would react in similar situations. I'm really disappointed that, for all intents and purposes, this is the only time we will see uh, Emmett playing this character. And if that is the case, that is a shame because I think she's really great. I have to agree with you. This is also one of my, you know, my, my likes of the episode. Emmett does a, a really fantastic job. She brings a really great character to life in these roughly eight minutes, uh, who not just embodies, you know, the, the dedication of a future Starfleet officer, but also the excitement and hope of someone wanting to go out and explore the galaxy. You know, if, if she delivers that in this small time frame, imagine what we would get in a much longer examination of this character. So I, I agree with you, you know, all over the place. She was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, she really was. It's it's good to see these new characters, and even though we only see them for a few fleeting minutes, they really make their mark, and I think that's really uh, really goes to show the skill uh, that Amrit has uh, for this character. Second, no surprise, and I'm sure this is going to be on your list as well, Anson Mount. Anson Mount, dude, that's all I got to say. Uh, I cannot stress enough how foolish it would be for CBS to not greenlight a Pike series at this point. I don't exaggerate when I say that Anson Mount was the highlight of every single scene he was in on Star Trek uh, Discovery Season 2 and in this short trek. Um, Mr. Kurtzman, it's time. Do the right thing. Or as Pike would say, and I referenced this a short while ago, Cadet, I am ordering you to announce a Pike series. Is that understood? That's it. It has to happen. They, it has to happen, Bill. I don't think it's going to happen as much as I want it to, um, because I think Alex Kurtzman just likes teasing us at this point. Um, you know, every opportunity, he's like, huh, that's a good idea. Or, hey, do you, would you guys like a Pike series? At this point, you know, it's either, you know, give it to us already or just stop talking about it. But I have to agree with you. My second like of the episode, also, Anson Mount. And I feel like a broken record saying yeah. this, because how many times did we cite Anson Mount as a, as a significant you know, uh, asset or like in an episode, but man, this guy is the real deal. You know, he is such, you know, a, a perfect embodiment of Captain Pike. And it's the Pike that we had always hoped that we would get, which makes it even better. Um, he's, he's everything that, that we want to see in, in this captain and this enterprise. And, um, he just, everything he's in is fantastic. I think one of the things that shows the popularity of this character, at least to you and I, and the job that Anson Mount does is we've had over 50 years of Star Trek. 
we've had all kinds of captains. We've had um, uh, great shows and actors that portray these captains just magnificently. And yet this guy in one season of Discovery has vaulted up to the top captain for me and I think for you too. Absolutely. You know, Pike is the prototype. You know, he was the character that, that Gene put on the screen first as far as the Starship Captains. And, you know, much of what we saw in Jim Kirk was born out of what Gene originally intended for Chris Pike. And I think Anson Mount takes that very, very seriously. He understands that this is the character that started the franchise with the first rejected pilot. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, I think it comes through in, in every one of his performances. So, um, yeah, Pike is, Pike has become my favorite captain and specifically Anson Mount's Pike because there is so much there. Yeah, and there's so much that we we could still see if if Kurtzman would stop teasing us. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my third uh, like for this episode, I gotta say, was the canon callbacks. I I've always loved the Tholians, so I'm glad that they uh, uh, brought them in. Even though I didn't love how they looked on Enterprise, uh, at least not as much as I hated the CGI Gorn. Uh, just having them be the big unseen bad guys in this short trek really made me smile they seemed formidable and even though it was a simulation they obviously are a big concern for starfleet as evident by the fact that sadu was one of only a few survivors of a real tholian attack i thought that was pretty cool but i have to say this was a subtle one man but my favorite callback was during the back and forth with sadu pike offers that uh, she can invoke that reserve activation clause and i immediately smiled whooped out loud because of the uh, um, McCoy uh, callback when he brought it up to Kirk during the whole V'ger thing in the motion picture. So although the motion picture is in the future, this reference to a past Star Trek moment really made me smile and the whole temporal causality loop can start getting into play. So I'll leave it at that. I just like it when they do things like that because it shows to me that the writers really care and they do the little things to make real fans of the franchise smile like I did. Well, you know, and that was the most subtle of the callbacks because you didn't even name the two largest ones, which were, you know, the 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 sort of nod to Wesley's psych test in the TNG episode Coming of Age from season mm -hmm. two, yep. which is essentially what this is, even though it's not called that. And then the uh, the scene in, in Voyager's Equinox where they're talking about the Starfleet regulation regarding a vessel of tactical superiority. That's that right. is ripped straight out of Star Trek Voyager. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, the writers clearly knew Star Trek. They clearly did their homework um they got the right things right which always makes trekkies happy um so yeah it's, it's just that's part of the things that uh, that i love about this episode and that just makes it really shine you know they what i like is that they don't overdo it they could dump on a bunch of stuff and really make it look like they're trying too hard, but they don't. We see these little smatterings of canon throughout Discovery over the first two seasons and, 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 and even during the short trek. So I really like the way that they do that. Um, of course, with all the positive, we do like to talk from time to time about some of the things that we might think were a little bit negative uh, in the episode. And this one's no different. So uh, what did you have at least first for, for your dislikes with Ask Not? Uh, I'm going to start with the fact that <laughs> a legendary character who is, for all intents and purposes, and uh, all intents and purposes, an unassailable white hat, Christopher Pike is charged with mutiny. No, no, never happen. Um, whom is he going to mutiny against? Uh, it's his ship first. 
uh, maybe disobeying orders that I might see, but you don't take a captain who is as Starfleet as Starfleet gets. And somebody who Admiral Cornwell says was, you know, among the best of us, because if anything happened, the enterprise had to be Starfleet. Um, he's not going to get charged with mutiny. So I mean, that's one flaw in this particular, you know, story for me. It's also what made me question the, the, the predictability of it because in about 15 seconds, and that's almost literal time. I didn't actually sit down with a stopwatch and time it, but it was pretty quick. I knew that this had to be a simulation because there's no way Chris Pike is going to be charged with mutiny. Um, that and uh, the runtime, honestly, uh, this one really did put the short in short treks. And I think there's a lot more that could have happened here. Even just escalating the tension, maybe some more things, maybe there's some more personal moments before Sidhu makes that choice to, you know, potentially pull the trigger on him. Um, maybe some of that gets drawn out. Maybe there's more in the Enterprise. But ultimately, this thing, as as awesome as it was, as enjoyable as it was, was just way too short. Yeah, that is something that I've I've seen a lot of people talk about. I can certainly understand it. And I, too, think that it was it was very short. For me, this first thing that I'm going to talk about might not sound correct, and I've, I've had a real hard time putting my thoughts together for this. And I disagree with some people online that have said that Starfleet is wrong to thrust cadets into these situations when they're just simulations and to make them believe that loved ones could really be dead or suffering. I did kind of wince a little bit with this simulation, and when it ended, Pike removing his cuffs and kind of smiled a little bit. Uh, while people who've served in the real military have said that these kind of simulations do exist, it seemed a little bit over the top to me, but just just barely. Um, I'd really have to get picky to find something that I don't really like with this episode, so that's what I'm going to kind of go with. It's harsh. And I know war is hell and all of this stuff, but it just seemed to me a little bit over the top, especially when he brought in the fact that she was one of the only surviving members of a real Tholian attack, really pulling on those heartstrings to see what she's going to do with, with whether or not she's going to let her go. So that, that did trouble me a little bit. So I kind of had to give it a quote dislike. That makes sense? It absolutely does. And I have some more thoughts on that particular aspect that I'm sure mm -hmm. we'll get to in general discussion in okay. just a few minutes. Okay, great. Um, the other thing that I didn't like, and this is a dislike for me, it's not a, it's not a maybe a dislike, I just did not like the view of the Enterprise engine room. Um, I'm, I'm not one to diss on the Kelvin timeline at all. I love the Kelvin timeline movies, but this representation of the Enterprise engine room was way more Kelvin, Kelvin looking than I would have expected it to be. They have done a brilliant job with making the bridge and the quarters of the Enterprise modern, but keeping that classic look that we love so much. And this engine room just threw that all away and in no way represented that TOS history, in my humble opinion. I just want to know if they can brew beer in there, because that's <laughs> that's really what the question is. Um, you're right. It was off. It um, it didn't look quite right. You expect to see that sort of forced perspective mm. with the horizontal warp core that, yeah. that TOS has. And even if it were a different take on that, I think it would have been perfectly acceptable. This one just it looked too busy. It looked... Uh, it, I had a hard time focusing on what I was supposed to look at yeah, because exactly. everything was thrown into that screen. Like I, I almost expect that if we blow that up, there's going to be a kitchen sink in there because that's how much stuff is in there. I, I like the fact that we saw a crew member with a scant walk by. Yep. I thought that was good. Nice yep. continuity. But I'm sorry. This, I'm not sure which is worse for me, the turbo lifts 
or the engine room on the Enterprise because they both, to me, are just were really bad visual decisions that were made by whoever decided to put those in there. I really got to say. And um, for me, my last tiny nitpick, if I had to pick a third dislike, I just really didn't like that mask thing that Pike was was wearing. I thought it was weird. I get it. The show wants to have at least one cool special effect, even in a seven and a half minute short trek. It just looked goofy. And and I understand you want to hide who it is because this is Captain Pike and he's been charged with mutiny and we don't want to have people, you know, questioning what's going on. The mask just didn't work for me, dude. It might have worked if they hadn't kept showing Anson Mount in the promos for the short trek. <laughs> you know, point. I, I think we would have had a different reaction that way because we've known he was in it since right. they started showing still photos and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, in that case, uh, I think it, it might have played a little better. Yeah, it was neat, but um, I was kind of met over it, quite honestly, because we already knew it was Pike. All I could really think of when I saw it was the um, Venom version of Spider-Man from the Secret Wars comics back in the yeah. 80s. I, I just, I don't know, it just, didn't, it just didn't work for me. I will say, you are much smarter than I, sir, and then that's I think that's a given because it took me until about 35 seconds before Pike shut down the simulation. I'm like, this has got to be a simulation. It took <laughs> me a long time because I was so in, in into what was going on. So, well, I, I think that it speaks to to who Chris Pike is. I mean, he is the guy who is always going to do the right thing, no matter what. You know, he, like I said, he's an unassailable white hat. He's he's the Elliot Nass. You know, he's the Lone Ranger. He's he's the guy who is always going to be standing on the wall, watching over what is good and just about Starfleet. And he's just not going to be charged with mutiny. Yeah, I can totally I totally get what you're saying with that. So. Those are our likes. Those are our dislikes. Let's just throw anything else out there that we want to talk about the episode. They really, we don't have a lot of time to talk about it because the episode wasn't very long, but I'm no. sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you brought up some interesting points about thrusting cadets into these situations. And uh, I had a couple of issues with that myself. The first of which was, if Cadet Sidhu is wearing a Starfleet Delta on her chest which she is, the cadet badge, mm -hmm. why does her loyalty need to be tested? She's Starfleet. It's, it, this, it, we haven't seen any other cadet go through this at this point. We haven't seen any other officer go through this at this point. Um, she's, she's joined up. She's presumably, she's clearly gone to Starfleet Academy. At why does her loyalty need to be tested? I don't understand. I think that's a critical flaw here for me, at least, because um, it just doesn't make sense. That's a very good point. And let me ask you this, and I could be way off base with this because I don't understand the full military um, way the military thinks. Would this type of test be more geared towards someone in the command path as engineering or sciences it seemed a little bit much for someone who was in a path that she claimed to be in um later on in the episode am i wrong in that thinking or do you think it's just anybody with starfleet should go through it i, I don't think anybody should go through it um honestly um because I, I don't think it's necessary people say well this is just like the kobayashi maru no no it's not the kobayashi maru is a no-win scenario designed to you know gauge what somebody's going to do in battle or or not and, and this is just, it, it's essentially a, an estimation of character. I think we should have been at that point already because she's a cadet who's getting ready to serve on a starship. Uh, I, I think that ultimately for me is why I have such a problem with it. It's not that we thrust her into the episode. It's that we need her to prove her loyalty, even though she's already wearing the uniform. 
I think one of the huge or the biggest differences between the Kobayashi Maru and this is the people on the Kobayashi Maru scenario know it's a test. Mm -hmm. They know it's a no-win scenario. She had no idea that this was a test until Pike told her. She was ready to fire at him. And that's that's what I was that's what I think is the most difficult for me to understand. Even with coming of age with Wesley and what he goes on and what he does. There's still an idea that something else is coming during this testing, the psych test. They're so scared about the psych test. She had no idea that this was this was in any way, shape, or form a simulation. That's exactly it. You know, they talk about it in Coming of Age for at least a, a full act, if not another one, that, oh, I'm sweating the psych test. Well, you know, it's Wesley, it's not called the psych test. I know, but it's the psych test. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I afraid of? You know, I got to think of this. And he stresses out over it. You know, he knows that there's some evaluation of him personally, his brain coming. And, you know, Cadet Sidhu never gets that heads up. Um, the other thing that, that really, and, and this, I, I took a beating on this on social media for a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit here because of my initial reaction to this particular short track. Given the climate of xenophobia that seems to exist, at least in our country, in the United States, I thought it really kind of odd that they would take a, a woman of color and question her loyalty to the state, especially in a post 9-11 world. Now, again, that was my initial reaction because it really left me feeling uncomfortable. I and mean, that's a plot line you see on 24. And deservedly so, because that's what that show is about. Mm -hmm. Unless they're at war with people who look like her, spoiler alert, they're not. Why does her loyalty need to be questioned in that way? Why is she given put through this scrutiny when so far nobody else has ever been? So uh, I took a beating on that, even in our own Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I still, you know, that was my initial reaction. I stand by it. Um, it's not how I view the episode now, but f when I first watched it, that's what I took from it. And I had to think about that for a long time. That's interesting that I didn't come across thinking that what I, what I thought of is, um, more after the episode, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking they had another very strong female character put in a role where she was able to show how strong she was. Mm -hmm. And and I really appreciate that. Star Trek has been doing that for, for over half a century. I have never really thought about that aspect, what you just brought up. Um, and it's a very interesting one. I don't know... I don't know how uh, how to react to that one. I haven't really put a great deal of thought into it. It's a very interesting um, uh, theory. And uh, as we've always seen on social media, which is one of the reasons why I tend to, to hate it as much as I do, is, is regardless of whether you're saying something for a positive response or not, people always seem to take issue with it. And that's, that's disappointing. Well, and that's it. And I wasn't necessarily making it about politics or right. my political viewpoint, because that's not on the table here. I wasn't making it necessarily about racism, but I was specifically talking about the xenophobia, the fear of other cultures, because I mean, we see this every day. And I mean, the collective we, not you and I, um, you know, we see it in our entertainment. We see it, you know, people trying to get on a plane, you know, in the side eyes that they got. Yeah. Simply just because they look different. And we, uh, we as a society apply more scrutiny to some of these individuals based on what's happened in the world. And I thought at first that that's how that struck me. And then I realized I'm, I'm putting my own real world, 
you know, observances on this mm -hmm. future world. And it's really not the right thing, even though Star Trek has always been a mirror. So uh, at that point, it was my thing to, to sort of get past. But like I said, that was my initial reaction. I took a beating for it. But isn't, aren't these the kinds of questions we're supposed to ask ourselves through Star Trek? And that's kind of what I took away from it. And aren't these also the kinds of questions that we can have intelligent, non-negative um, uh, discussions about? Um, constructive, and yeah. Constructive, thank you. Um, and it seemed that, you know, it, it didn't seem that that was always the case. Um, I like to think that for for 50-plus years, Star Trek has been showing us the future of positivity. And this was another example that they can easily grow past the problems that we have in society today. Um, and even though we are 53 years since the start of Star Trek, sometimes to me, it seems that we as a society have taken a step backward. This week's episode, of course, is brought to you by Fansets, the exclusive sponsor for Discovering Trek. You know, Dan, we are so excited about Discovery Season 3, but we are just as excited to welcome back Fansets as our exclusive sponsor for Discovering Trek. We know we already made this announcement last month, but just in case there were a few of you who hadn't heard the news, Fansets and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network will continue to have an amazing relationship where you, the fans, reap the rewards. Oh, you can say that again, man. Uh, when you listen to any of the shows on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, you are going to get a special discount code for upwards of 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Plus, you never know when we're going to have a spectacularly huge giveaway of Fansets swag. Uh, you can just ask at BJP211 about that because uh, recently he won a framed collector set of the Women of Star Trek pins that Fanset, uh, Fansets uh, announced at this past STLV. It is gorgeous. He is very happy. He posted a picture of it on Twitter the other day, and you just never know when that's going to happen. So keep your tabs on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network because you could win big. Absolutely. And of course, speaking of special codes, go on over to the Fansets website and just put a ton of stuff into your shopping cart. I mean, I'm talking pins and accessories and, and uh, anything else they've got. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special Discovering Trek discount code, MUTINY. That's M-U-T-I-N-Y in all capital letters. That will get you 15% off your entire order at fansets.com. Now, this special code is going to be available to use until Monday night, December 9th, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is just fantastic. Fansets. We are Star Trek, and as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor of Discovering Trek. Long-range scan of planet complete. So, Bill, this is usually the time where we uh, talk about long-range scans. I'm not really sure there's much to think about what will happen next when you have a 7-minute and 30-second short trek, but I'm going to throw one out there and then see if you have one. And, and uh, we've talked about it before already. Both you and I have different opinions on, on, on whether we think it'll happen or not, but this is supposedly the last time that we will see Pike and Number One and Spock and the Enterprise. And I still have faith that this is not the case. My long-range scan is that shortly after the premiere of Star Trek Picard, CBS is going to have a huge announcement, and that announcement will be that Anson Mount... Rebecca Romaine and Ethan Peck will be starring in a new Star Trek Pike series. They have done too good a job with the Pike storyline. The sets for the Enterprise were expensive 
And I can't believe that they're just going to mothball everything at this point. Uh, and if they announce this series, we will see cadets do again, this time as a full-fledged officer in engineering. Hope, <laughs> hope springs eternal, buddy. <laughs> Maya, uh, I don't really have a long-range scan other than Alex Kurtzman is going to continue to mess with and disappoint us in in the regard of hopefully getting a Pike series someday. Um, I, I've abandoned hope that it's going to happen. I know you have faith of the heart, but um, I, wow. I, I am just going to be logical about this and say if he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. Hope does spring eternal. <laughs> Well, Bill, we have a few weeks now to prepare for not one, but two new short treks. And on top of that, there's something very special about them, isn't there? Indeed, there is, Dan. For the first time in over 45 years, we will have new animated trek with short treks Ephraim and Dodd, as well as The Girl Who Made the Stars. Both of these short treks will be dropping on December 12th in the United States on CBS All Access, and we can't wait for these new additions to Star Trek lore. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, quarterly roundtable sessions, and of course, so many other perks, Dan. Absolutely. And speaking, speaking of Patreon, Bill, we'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so thankful for their support, and they include Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchan, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today. Well, folks, that's it for us and our discussion on Short Trek's Ask Not. As we said earlier, we welcome Amrit Kaur to the Star Trek universe and hope to see her again in some upcoming stories. What did you think of Ask Not? What did you think of Captain Pike and Cadet Sidhu? Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter to let us know your thoughts about the episode and Discovering Trek as well. As always, we thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about this short yet exciting chapter in the Star Trek universe, and we look forward to sitting down again soon to talk more about Ephraim and Dot and the girl who made the stars. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Captain Jean-Luc Picard. It is possible to commit no errors and still lose. That is not a weakness. That is life. And until next time, Never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com. <laughs>